This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. This episode is explicit. From NPR, this is Invisibilia. I'm Yoe Shaw. I'm Kia Miakonatis. Okay, so Kia, mm-hmm. you know how last year I reported a story in Stockton, California. Yeah, I remember. So today I got another story from Stockton, California. <laughs> you love it out there. I do. I just can't get enough. <laughs> Basically what happened was while reporting that last story, I got this tip. Mm. Somebody told me that Stockton has its own version of Russian trolls. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was like, sure. Right. Whatever. Sounds like a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. But, of course, I put in a call or two. Hey, there she is. (laughs) Which is how I ended up talking to this guy named Jake Tyler. How do I pronounce your name again? It's Yoway. 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 Yes, Yoway. Like, no way with a Y. Is that that Hebrew? (laughs) No, that would be Yahweh. No, this is Chinese. Oh, it's Chinese. Hmm. It's like the sweetest and kindest correction. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on my journey, you know. Uh, So Jake works on political campaigns in Stockton. And when he first started out, he would go out, knock on doors for Mm -hmm. work. And then he started to notice something. Hmm. I would hear 9-11 conspiracy stuff. I would hear things about chemtrails. One guy thought that the person... I was out canvassing for had killed his dog because the government was poisoning pigeons downtown and the dog ate a pigeon. Which is just a crazy story. And I do not want his job. Yeah, I couldn't do it either. The thing is, though, even Jake has his own set of freaky occurrences. Okay. Here's the story he told me. One evening last summer, He was at his house, and he decides to walk to the local corner store to get some smokes. And I was just walking there, and I noticed a car was kind of following me slowly. And I noticed it, like, turned around the corner, and then a guy dressed completely in black with a black face mask got out and punched me. Where'd you get punched? No, I I, like, he didn't connect, I guess is the words I'm looking for, because I moved back. He said, I guess you could take this as like a warning. And I said, for what? Who are you? And like he just got in his car and drove away. Huh. Why Why is this tip so wild? (laughs) It's just like a bad hitman, poison dogs, conspiracy theories. Yeah. And and Jake has no idea who did this to him. Hmm. He doesn't know if it's just random people messing with him. Maybe it's somebody he crossed. I'll have no idea who, what that was about for the rest of my life. So spoiler, I wasn't able to figure it out either. But the more people I talked to in Stockton, the more weird things I kept hearing. Mm. Whispers about some shadowy cabal, politicians involved in human trafficking, a child abuse cover-up in the schools, Mm. and the classic... Rich developers controlling city politics. That one I kind of believe. <laughs> yes, probably not that far from the truth. But what I probably heard the most about was a local website. Hmm. 
that bills itself as an independent, community-driven grassroots news source. 209 Times. 209 Times. 209 Times. What's really, quote-unquote, what's really going on here, I go on 209 Times. Always. I'm on there, like, every day. What's the 209? Why is it 209 Times? Uh, 209 is the area code for Stockton and the surrounding area. Okay. And the thing about this website is... Some people in Stockton were telling me that 209 Times was doing important investigative journalism. Mm. While other people were saying 209 Times was spreading hateful lies about local leaders. Really? From talking to people, this website, it seemed like both the source of a lot of conspiracy theories and also the subject of them. It's being funded by conservative movement underneath the table. I think if you keep everyone divided and you're running pay-to-play politics... You can control money and government contracts. It's to prevent leaders of color from gaining influence. And I began to get the suspicion that these were plants. These were people dropped into our progressive community, trained in workshops put on by the Mercers and the uh, Koch brothers and the right wing. So that's kind of my conspiracy theory. Oh my goodness. Yoe, what have you gotten yourself into? I have to tell you, I couldn't find any evidence to back those theories up, but... Obviously, I started trying to figure out what was going on. And at first, I thought this story was going to go, you know, the way we all kind of know. Like, misinformation. It's bad. We're still not sure what to do about it. Mm -hmm. But in Stockton, the more I looked into this website, the more I realized it doesn't quite fit into that neat box. Right. It's, like, way messier, much more personal, And not at all clear who exactly the villains are. If you look at the players, the emotions, the beefs, I feel like you can almost trace a map of how misinformation gets created Hmm. and like how a website like this can end up overturning a city's power structure. Hmm. And maybe not just in Stockton. Oh, snap. Which is why I'm going to tell this story in three parts over the next few weeks. It is going to be a ride. Yeah, you want to take it from here? Yeah. All right. Let's start by going there. Which way do I go? To Stockton. Head west toward North Pershing Avenue. This city in the Central Valley of Northern California, built during the gold rush, then became an agriculture town. Beautiful, blue, extremely hot day. When I was there for my last story, uh, I actually had a great time. You can see the foothills of the Sierra Nevada from the highway. Oh my gosh. There are palm trees. Now I feel like I'm in California. The weather's warm. There's a carnesseria. The ethnic food's on point. cafe. It is also a place that gets this really bad rap, where it makes sense that locals there would think there's a setup. It has a history of dirty politics, a city where low-income people of color have been failed again and again. Whether it's the bankruptcy... Bankruptcy. Stockton is the largest American city to seek protection from its creditors. Elected officials getting busted for run-ins with the law. arrest earlier today of the mayor of Stockton, Anthony Silva. include grand theft, embezzlement, embezzlement by... Or just depressing statistics. In the history of making the wrong kinds of lists. Most poor, most dangerous, least educated. And weirdly, worst place for singles? The kind of place the rental car clerk at the airport warned me about visiting. True story. A reputation so bad that even the kids, they were told growing up to just get out as fast as they could. 
I remember being in high school and reading headlines that said lowest in literacy, highest in crime. Why would you want to stay there? But can we also just abolish those lists? They're terrible. No, you really internalize that as a young person. This is Michael Tubbs. You may know him as the first Black mayor of Stockton. But he's also got the distinct honor of being the number one target of 209 times for the last four years. When people meet me and they get to talk to me and they see me, they're like, oh my gosh, why are they lying on you? Outside Stockton, Michael's known as this rising Democratic star who has this gripping political origin story. He was raised by a single mom with his dad in prison, then went to Stanford on scholarship. But Michael's always had a complicated relationship with being seen as the special kid. He says it started in elementary school. My pastor would call me up to give speeches or would always call Michael, stand up. And it would say something about me or say a positive word about my future in front of the whole congregation. It read resentment. So I was like, I didn't ask for this. Later in college, Michael started reading about structural racism. What you're not going to do is hold me up and make all people feel bad because of the structural forces in their life. They have different outcomes. And then one day, Michael was interning at the Obama White House. He was in a meeting. And my mother called me. His cousin Donnell had been shot at a Halloween party and died. I remember going back and the conversation was about like the midterms. I thought it was so stupid. I was like, my cousin was just murdered. I don't care about no tea party. Michael decided he needed to go back to Stockton after college and help his hometown to try to make a dent on the deep-rooted problems the old guard couldn't fix. At 22 years old, Michael Tubbs is making history. Michael runs for city council, and he wins. Stockton's youngest city council member ever. Then in 2016, he runs for mayor. Your new mayor of Stockton. And wins with 70% of the vote. And he takes what's usually a symbolic position in Stockton. You know, the mayor has one vote on city council, no executive power, and he turns it into a powerhouse of action. Stockton, California, once named the most miserable city in the U.S., is making a comeback. He starts a nonprofit and raises millions in private dollars for college scholarships. The city of Stockton has received $20 million from the Launches a universal basic income project. Stockton is the first city in the U.S. to experiment with universal basic income. Helps wrangle millions from the state for sustainable development and homelessness. Reduce the number of people in our community who are inspires young people who left Stockton to come back home and roll up their sleeves to help. I definitely want to bring back here in Stockton. Stockton is getting press. The city of Stockton has also taken on the ceasefire initiative. Positive stories. Now bouncing back. In the LA Times, New York Times, NPR. Mayor Tubbs, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Which is why Michael, the media darling wasn't stressed when he first heard about a negative story from 209 Times. Yeah, it was my first month as mayor. And then my assistant, Cameron, came in and was saying, my stepmom showed me this. It was like some blog with typos, and the story was nonsensical. It was like, it was just weird. Michael clicked on the link. And he saw a story that criticized him for pushing to get funding for two costly new positions for the mayor's office. The story asked why he was hiring his friends. And also, why did Michael need his own public information officer when the city already had one? It was like, this doesn't make sense, and who cares? This is so dumb. Like, whatever. 
He says Stockton voters approved the positions. And you know, criticisms of budget priorities, that's fair game. But it wasn't just that one story. The website kept posting about him and more outlandish stuff. Day after day, week after week. There was a story saying Michael had a full-time job in New York. Another saying millions of dollars were missing from the nonprofit he started. Which, by the way, both weren't true. And then Michael started hearing about memes. Memes that 209 Times was posting about him. Probably the most infamous one is a riff on a Dave Chappelle character named Tyrone Biggums, whose persona is a crack addict. The meme superimposes Michael's face on a photo of Tyrone, with the words, got any more of that taxpayer money? But Michael, he just brushed it all off. These stupid memes, I mean, black people are called crackheads all the time. I'm not shocked at that at all. That's American. And I'm like, who, who is reading this? Clearly no one believes this is true. After the break, why Michael was so, so wrong. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. How do we reinvent ourselves? And what's the secret to living longer? I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers to seek a deeper understanding of the world and to figure out new ways to think and create. Listen now. So here's a trick I learned for getting a politician to be more human in front of the microphone. Just ask them about their best friend. Like, he's just, he's laying. Right. <laughs> it's annoying how nice this guy is. It's like the nicest guy. <laughs> um, and I'm nice, but no one would say I'm the nicest guy you've ever met. He's like an angel cherub person. I don't know. He's not real. Langland Tao and Michael Tubbs met in high school at the city's Youth Advisory Commission. Yeah, we first met as like high school government nerds. I just found the video of it yesterday. We look like babies. It's hilarious. But we weren't friends. I thought he was like too polished, very preppy. I don't know if he's real. Lang eventually won Michael over and he helped him run for city council. And when Michael ran for mayor, Lang ran for school board too. Their idea of a fun night, according to Lang, is sipping on beers and talking policy. Not kidding. We really like thinking about how government can be a, a tool for good and a tool for improvement. It's very Leslie No Parks and Rec. When 209 Times started posting about Michael, he wasn't the only target. They also started posting about the clique that had formed around Michael, people like Lang. 
folks on the school board, the state assembly, the local Democratic Party, nonprofits too. And at first, Michael's crew, they were pretty much like, whatever, let's not fan the flame, let's not legitimize this. While Lang, he dealt with it by making jokes. When we run into each other at events, it's like, oh, what do I time say about you last week? You know, like, same things, trying to say that I'm corrupt. But before we go any further, I need to give you a better picture of what 209 Times looks and feels like. Because how 209 Times works, Lang thinks it's ingenious and deliberate. He can break it down like a TV pundit. Like, number one, some of the coverage is positive. On Monday, you might see, hey, 209 Times is supporting a local business that we all love. There are cat memes GoFundMes for funerals, shout-outs to high school students feeding the hungry. We are doing a food drive, as you can see right here. Is our- On Tuesday, it's some community member who has sent in a video of a fire in a dumpster, a literal dumpster fire. Downtown Stockton, homeless camp, they're out here burning their garbage. One way to get rid of it. There are posts about fires around town, cars crashed into trees. A lot of videos sent in by community members. I'm shaking. Oh, my God. They're like, can you believe this is going on in Stockton? Then just a ton of posts about crime. Some coverage about cops doing bad things. Hey, you guys don't gotta beat them up! But mostly lots of stories about lawbreakers. Mugshots of desperate-looking people being arrested for things like stabbing their brother. Close-up videos of shootings, porch pirates, someone driving their car into a furniture store. Man, ain't not the motor out that motherfucker. On Wednesday, it's a palate cleanser. Like a 104-year-old vet singing. Then on Thursday, again, it's some sort of toxicity. Oh my God, he's bleeding, pobrecito! Man openly smokes meth in Stockton drive-thru. Homeless transient violently attacks woman at 76 gas station. Man arrested for running across the highway naked. She is literally walking in the middle of the street, blocking fucking traffic now. Oh my God, dude. And that drives a ton of likes. When I look at 209 times, I just get really overwhelmed. It's just so much content, not just on the website, but also on Facebook and Instagram. And among these hellscape posts, that's where the political stuff shows up. Sometimes it's just a picture of a dumpster on fire with the caption, hashtag Tubsville, as if to blame Michael for that fire. And then every week or so, there's a more in-depth article. The articles can be long, lots of text, lots of details, lots of screenshots of public records. It can be hard to follow the thread. But if you keep following the website, in all that chaos, you start to see a pattern. The world you live in is divided. On the one side, there are ordinary people dealing with extraordinary problems. And then on the other, there's Michael and the cabal. They're lurking behind the scenes. Powerful, cosmopolitan, elite. And so 209 Times and its reporters are fighting the good fight challenging the cabal at every turn. Now, your tactic is to use third parties to threaten, sometimes with death. Over and over, in rambling Facebook videos and posts, 
209 Times accuses the same people of being corrupt, of ruining the city. Of great public safety concern. And Michael, he's not only corrupt, but he's in the game purely for himself. Out of town all the time, getting money from Silicon Valley, he's rude, he lies. People like myself have a right to a different opinion. In this picture, Lang thinks there's an explicit strategy for getting it to land with readers. First, get people hooked with all that community news. Useful, immediate information, like where the traffic pileup is so you can avoid that highway on your way to work. And then... They start pushing out misinformation and disinformation on a partisan political level, never disclosing it. The thing is, some of their stories do ask legitimate questions. Questions about developer donations to Michael's campaign and nonprofit, and whether they led to city contracts or favorable zoning variances. Or for Lang, as a school board member, why did he vote in favor of approving new charter schools run by a company he used to work for? Was it all above board, like Lang said it was? What makes it so confusing is that all the political stories, they exist on a spectrum of truthiness, which makes it hard to know what you're going to get with any one post. Kind of like a white elephant party. Except when you unwrap your gift, you still don't know what you're getting exactly. Like, some of the articles I looked into are true. And some of them are false. But a lot of them exist in this gray zone, where they take nuggets of truth, things that did happen, and present them in a way that can feel misleading. For example... They'll write about campaign funds Michael spent outside Stockton, as if it's a big expose. But lots of mayors do this. And Michael says some of those trips were for city business. But 209 Times does not give this context. And in the same article, they'll post a picture of Michael at his wedding in Columbia, which seems designed to leave the impression that Michael got married on campaign funds. And I fell for a story. It was a post about Michael using taxpayer money at an out-of-town dinner to pay for about $30 of beer and wine, which is against city law. And I thought the allegation was legit. And then our producer, Andrew Mambo, pointed out, if you look closely at the records in the story, Michael didn't ask to be reimbursed for the whole meal. And when I asked the city, they confirmed. Michael, quote, did not request reimbursement for the alcohol. Lang says this kind of thing is just par for the course. It's an endless hole of just innuendo and and doubt. In 2017, the first year Michael took office, 209 Times has around 6,000 followers on Facebook. A year later, they jumped to over 20,000. The year after that, they're close to 68,000. By 2020, 209 Times has over 100,000 followers. For reference, this is a city with a population of about 300,000 people. But this whole time, Michael and Lang in their camp, they're like the unsuspecting group of friends at the lake house in a horror movie. They're basically holding down the same approach. Just ignore 209 Times and focus on doing the work. Here's Michael again. I just thought that this is so stupid. No one's really going to believe this, but people who super right-wing, etc. And I, I, and I thought somebody would step up, the local like newspaper. The local newspaper. The record. So I reached out to them to ask about their 209 Times coverage. 
They declined to comment on that directly, just gave a statement saying they maintain a commitment to fairness and they provide value to the community. But I found a reporter used to work there and asked him about it. I don't think it was really a conversation. This is Roger Phillips. He worked at the record for years and recently left. And he told me in the newsroom those first years that 209 Times was posting, they didn't even talk about covering it. Uh, you know, I really, I can't, looking back on it, it seems obvious that we, we should have. But at the time, I just don't think we really recognized that it was something, you know, that, that needed to be done. It, was like, it would have been like, you know, uh, doing, you know, doing an investigation into the National Lampoon or something like that. Roger told me they also had plenty on their plate. Because as 209 Times was getting more and more popular, the record was shrinking. You got to a certain point where you'd say, well, no, there's no way they can lay anybody else off. There's no, we can't be any smaller than this. And then, you know, a few months would go by and there would be another round. We know this story by now. The stats are painful to read. More than 2,000 newspapers have closed their doors since 2004. And the record, while it's still around, has been cannibalized. It's a tiny part of Gannett Company, Inc., a giant corporation that's been formed from layers of mergers and acquisitions. There have been layoffs upon layoffs. When Roger started working at the record, he says there were around 85 people in the newsroom. By the time he left in 2019, there were only 11 people. There are also no major TV or radio news stations based in Stockton. And so as the record's spigot of local coverage turned into a trickle... Two and Nine Times was there with their own sprinkler system, spraying out more and more content. But by this point, you probably want to know what Two and Nine Times readers think about all this. Hello? 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 We reached out to literally hundreds of readers, and only a handful were up for talking to us. It was an eclectic bunch. Youngest person was 26, oldest was 44. There was a drone pilot, a forklift driver, a bookkeeper— a mix of political affiliations, mostly Latino, one white person, one black person, one Asian American. People told us all kinds of interesting things. They love that it's hyper-local. They had more boots on the ground. Like, I like when they post things that are going on in the community, you know, positive things. That they can participate. People as myself that can report, hey, somebody just got robbed at gunpoint, here's my video, and then they'll write about it. They like the tone. It seems to be a lot more raw. Broken down in quote-unquote layman's terms. They love how fast it is. I go to them because they give me the now. Even if it's sloppy sometimes. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of oversight at the top when things get published instantly. And yeah, most of the people I talk to can tell there's a bias. But they still trust it, for the most part. I would say it's probably about 70-75% accurate. kind of have to... It's not that they're biased, it's just that they are really sharing what we're probably not supposed to know. And hands down, they are fans of the records and documents. It's not just hearsay or opinion. More investigative journalism. I mean, it's facts. Especially the ones looking into the mayor. His handle is kind of in every cookie jar. Coming up, Michael Tubbs runs for re-election. And the power of two and nine times is put to the test. Thank you. 
Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why accessibility is central to Betterment's mission. The real innovation for Betterment was taking a set of tools that were used by the ultra-wealthy and making them accessible to the average investor. And that includes tax strategies, that includes dollar-cost averaging. These are all sort of tricks of the trade. Learn more about automated investing technology at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In the spring of 2020, Michael Tubbs is finishing up his first term as mayor and gearing up for re-election. And it's only then, a few years after 209 Times started, that Michael finally realizes this news outlet might actually pose a threat. Well, we would knock on doors and call people, and people would just say crazy things. Oh. Like, we like Michael, but he's stealing money. Huh? <laughs> uh, well, he lives in New York. Get? Yeah? And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, people really believe this. At the same time, Michael's feeling, you know, pretty confident. He's proud of the work he's done. And because of all the press coverage, he's become like a big deal. He has an HBO doc, a TED talk with almost three million views. He's backed by Kamala Harris, Michael Bloomberg. He's got a lot of money on his side, over $830,000, around 500000 more than what his opponent raised. But by the fall, a week before Election Day, other people like Michael's best friend, Lang Lung Tao, are feeling worried. Who do you think is winning the narrative game in town right now? I think we are going to have to see what happens in the election next week. I do not know. Oh, you really don't know? I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I, think that, I think that 209 Times can definitely shift a narrative, but I, I haven't seen it stick. <sighs> Okay, um, it is 9 a.m. on the East Coast after election night, um, and I'm going to check the results in Stockton. I promise I usually wake up before 9 a.m. on a workday, but November 4th, you know, that was a long night. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, I did not expect that at all. <laughs> Whoa. 30-year-old Stockton mayor, Michael Tubbs, a Democrat, conceded the race to Republican Kevin Lincoln. A relative newcomer, a local pastor and Republican named Kevin Lincoln, had managed to beat Michael Tubbs for Stockton mayor by a comfortable margin. Michael had lost. 
And he blamed two and nine times. I thought that most people could read something and be like, oh, that's not true. Like, oh, if the mayor was under FBI investigation, I would hear that in the Stockton newspaper. Or if Mayor Tubbs was under investigation, I would read about it in the New York Times, the LA Times, BBC, like all the other, like all the places I write about everything. I, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we thought that that logically would be enough to kind of counterbalance sort of the misinformation that was happening. I talked to a lot of political insiders, and they said there were plenty of other reasons Michael lost. Maybe some people didn't like having an ambitious young black mayor. Stockton mayors historically don't win re-election. And he made political blunders, serious ones. Some thought he was too radical, too fast, or too focused on corporate philanthropy. Others thought he could come off as arrogant, that there was a feeling he was using Stockton as a stepping stone, out of town too much, not focused enough on Stockton's problems, spending too much time posing for the camera or on his phone, and not enough time with constituents, listening to their concerns. But everyone I talked to also said two and nine times did play a role by holding a mirror to Michael's mistakes, magnifying, even distorting them. It's impossible to say what kind of clout two and nine times had, But we do know that the majority of candidates that Two and Nine Times endorsed last November, they won. 12 out of 17. In some cases, beating out incumbents like Lang, who lost his school board seat. How are you doing? (laughs) I am doing fine. I talked to Lang the day after the election. Obviously, his heart's broken that he and Michael lost. But that's politics. What was upsetting him, or at least one of the things, was the culture he thinks Two and Nine Times has stoked. The racist memes, the releasing of somebody's shirtless grinder pics, associating him with human trafficking, and the reader comments on Two and Nine Times. They can be rough. It's all like Lang, Luntow, and Michael Tubbs, the mayor, are in a secret, like, homosexual relationship, God forbid I was like a best man at his wedding, right? Like his wife and I, the first partner of Stockton, are best friends as well, you know, like, and also he's not my type, but. (laughs) Lang has seen comments calling him a creep and other slurs, speculating about whether he and Michael are lovers. But what really hurts Lang is a rumor his mom says she heard, something an acquaintance told her after reading what she said was a comment on 209 Times. And okay, I know that just repeating something can make it stick in your brain. So we're not going to tell you the rumor because we couldn't find the comment. And Two and Nine Times says they haven't seen it either. All you need to know is that it's an incredibly harmful homophobic trope. And that for Lang, whether or not this comment came from Two and Nine Times, it's the buildup of all of it. Of being a constant target, of his parents worrying about whether he's in trouble and of seeing hateful comments on 209 Times, who he holds responsible for fanning the flames of homophobia and racism. And when my mom heard that rumor, oh man, that was... (sighs) Yeah. That's the sort of stuff that I didn't sign up for, you know? (laughs) Um... Yeah, because you can you can try to refute that all you want, right? Like, you can point out 
rightfully, that there's no factual basis to an accusation like that. Um, but at the end of the day, my mom had to hear. <sighs> um, sorry, I haven't slept much last night, obviously. No, no, no. Take your time. <laughs> Probably just need a good cry. Um, uh, a lot of people have been targeted by two and nine times, not just elected officials, nonprofit leaders, organizers, bureaucrats, political consultants. If you're wondering why people don't just sue 209 Times for libel, well, I did hear of several people trying to put together cases at one point. In California, if you lose your lawsuit, though, you have to pay for the other party's attorney's fees. So it's a high bar. But believe me when I tell you, a lot of Stocktonians are pissed about 209 Times and kicking themselves for not taking it more seriously earlier. To accuse me of human trafficking because I was using a gay dating app. They just associate you enough to muddy you and try to drag your name down. That's what's so dangerous and what scares me. You know, playing on these narratives that basically re-traumatize the populations. If you could get away with the lies that were told this time, what's to stop them about making up any story or a lie that they want to make up about anyone? And they're trying to sleuth out whether 209 Times is part of a conspiracy to take progressives down. 209 Times has gone after some conservatives, but as Lang told me, it seemed to him that mainly it was a particular kind of leader that gets targeted. Younger leaders, people of color, LGBTQ, progressive folks, people trying to make bold change. But then, I heard who was behind 209 Times. And it was not the kind of person I was expecting. It was someone Michael, Lang, and their crew all knew. I saw him at meetings, and I was like, oh, this guy seems interesting. Um, and so I met him at a coffee shop, and I could tell that he had a lot of heart. I was actually pursuing to have him do that work with us. A local progressive, a fellow activist who taught ethnic studies, who'd organized for Occupy Stockton, a proud Chicano, a former Bernie delegate, a man called Motecozoma Sanchez. We haven't started spying on an action yet, but that might be our newest correspondent is the drone. Next time on Invisibilia, the founder of 209 Times, who rejects all the critiques. People like to point out we're not journalists, and we tell them all the time, look, we're not going to argue with you. You're right. We're not trying to win a Pulitzer Prize. Our aim is to empower our community and protect it. We'll go to the front lines of a revolt against the mainstream media. Before the series is over, we'll get to the bottom of at least one conspiracy theory. There will be revenge plots, a fistfight outside Barnes & Noble. We'll find one band-aid for our current post-truth fake news pickle. And by the end of this fight, we'll see who's left standing. Okay, so if you haven't caught on by now, podcasting is a team sport. Even though we got to hear lots of Yoe's beautiful voice in this episode, there was a whole army of talented producers helping to make this story behind the scenes. James Kim, Liza Yeager, Chris Binderev, and Raina Cohen. With even more help from David Goodhertz, Theo Greenlee, Carolyn McCusker, Justine Yan, and Diva Motasham. Fact-checking by Billy Brennan, Sarah Knight, Ida Porasad, and Naomi Sharp. 
Special thanks to all the people in Stockton who spoke to us, who were very generous with their time, perspectives, leads, and hearts. A big thank you to Kelly Prime for helping shape this project way back in the beginning. Invisibilia is produced by me, Yoe Shaw, Andrew Mambo, and Abby Wendell. This episode was mastered by our technical director, Andy Huther. Our podcast manager is Liana Simstrom. Deborah George is our supervising senior editor. Our supervising senior producer is Nicole Beamsterbohr. Neil Carruth and Steve Nelson are our senior directors of programming, and our senior vice president of programming is Anya Grunman. Additional thanks to Micah Ratner, Jerry Holmes, Luis Treas, Ginny Schmidt, David Fulkenflick, Anjali Sastry, Kyle Pulley, Jessica Hansen, Sandia Dirks, Robert Benicasa, and Nina Pata. Music for this episode provided by Infinity Knives, William Cashin, Connor Moore of Seymour Sound, Connor Lafitte, and Firefly. Theme music by Infinity Knives. To see an original illustration for this episode by Chair Wang, visit npr.org slash invisibilia. And finally, a special thank you to Amanda Edgington from Austin, Texas, who sent us the sound you're listening to right now. We'd love to hear more from you all, so if you have a sound you'd like to share, send it over to invisibiliamail at npr.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.